Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into Tuesday's edition of the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. I'm going to share a couple of quick interviews I did, one on 97.1 here in Columbus, Ohio, which had a ton of really good questions about the quarterback situation and some other different moving parts with this uh, upcoming 2022 Browns team, including wide receiver. And then going to share Monday's Twitch show where I came in the show about halfway through we talked about a ton of great topics i know lacking a little bit of cohesiveness on the show right now day to day we are going to get into some position previews starting very soon and then kind of going to organize some things out from there uh, looking at each position breaking it down in pretty good detail some player spotlights will get mixed in too as we start talking about projections if you didn't listen to yesterday's episode we looked at one form of projections from espn's mike clay who did that with brad ward check that one out went through where some of the stuff is pretty confusing and uh, talked about some of our thoughts on this upcoming year tied to statistics but yeah like i said coming soon there will be more cohesiveness with that and then uh you know i want you to be fully prepared for this upcoming season what the players should do what the depth chart should look like all of that stuff so we will have uh, a broad variety of things going on there. Otherwise, let's get over to our first interview with 97.1 The Fan here in Columbus. It's a great show, Rothman and Ice. I always enjoy talking to those guys about the Browns. And then we will transition from there over to our uh, time on the OBR Twitch with Andrew Spade and Corey Kennan. So let's shift over there right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Jake Burns is with us right now. The Orange and Brown Report. Jake, good to have you back. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Where do you stand on the number of games? Let's just do hypothetical here. If if Deshaun Watson is suspended for blank amount of games, the Browns still make the playoffs. Fill in the blank. Good good question. I think eight. I think eight is kind of the threshold for me to expect them to make the playoffs. As you know, when the season gets here and it gets weird and the teams you think are going to be good or not good or vice versa, injuries and stuff like that take shape. You don't really know. But to me, eight games is the number that I'm most interested in because the beginning of the year, if you look at the schedule – the Jets, Falcons, they have the Steelers early, obviously, in the new quarterback transitional stage. There are winnable games on that schedule to start the year. Now, it gets pretty tough in the middle of the season, but if you can navigate the beginning portion of the season, kind of maybe come out of the first eight games in that five and three, four and four mark, you then add your, you know, put yourself in a chance to springboard into the second half of the season in pretty good shape. So, to me, eight games is like, 
the difference in expecting them to make the playoffs versus not expecting them to make the playoffs. Let's stay right there with Deshaun. We all fully understand what's going on with him off the field, and we can all understand how serious um, that is for Deshaun. But let's take it to some on-the-field stuff. I know you and I and AR, we've talked so much previously about Baker and his fit and the strength and weaknesses inside of Stefanski's offense. As you've evaluated Deshaun and his time in Houston and now that transition into a Kevin Stefanski offense, do you like what you're seeing so far, the potential of what this could be with Deshaun and what Kevin's going to be asking him to do? Yeah, they're going to be flexible, right? I think that you you, you look at this situation, you talk about what do good play callers, coordinators do? Well, they, they adapt the scheme to the, to the guys they have in a system, right? So you want to see them do that. There's no, in my opinion, there's no evidence that Kevin won't do that. He's, he's worked with two pretty immobile quarterbacks, so this is a big change. And, you know, people talk about how the quarterback collective wide zone system stuff is, is kind of predicated on taking the pressure off the quarterback, making them less uh, vulnerable, I guess is the right way to put it, kind of making it easier for those guys. But you get elite quarterbacks in that offense. And I think a great example to look back recently for success here is, is, uh, is Matt LaFleur and what he was able to do as the OC of the Titans before going to Green Bay and being with Aaron Rodgers, right? So he is then taking what he does as a collective offense, what he likes to do, and then sort of morphing it to what Rodgers likes to do with some of the three-tiered whole field reads, a lot of that quick screen now stuff because – you know, Green Bay has Rodgers who can, who can throw the football so quickly. He gets it out of his hand so quickly. He can, he can kind of set up those screens in a way nobody else can. So they implemented a lot of that stuff that, that obviously Aaron's comfortable with, but also added the layered elements of the play-action boot concepts, the fun screen game that comes with it, and the vertical passing game off of run action. So I think that what you'll see the Browns do, and I've already seen some examples of it if you've, if you've paid attention to some of the minicamp, not minicamp, they haven't had that yet, but some of the OTA stuff is they're, they're doing a bit more pistol. They're getting a bit more uh, varied in the looks that they do off of play action. And pistol's unique because you can do a bunch of diverse run game from pistol. You can do read option. You can do RPO stuff. You can still get your downhill running game in. And I think that's a really unique part of what that pistol look could do for them could keep their run game in a really good position, but also create added elements to what the quarterback could do. Instead of being under center and five-step dropping, you're doing a quick two-step drop from the pistol, but you also have, hey, we can run this downhill read option scheme. We can run this GT counter. We can run um, you know, all of our pin pool stuff that we still really like to run. So all of that stuff is still something that they're able to incorporate. I like the early idea of what I've seen from that pistol look and what it can mean for Deshaun what it can mean for the offense. And, and Brissett is comfortable in that too. If we all expect the situation to be Brissett has a high volume of games started this year, he can do some of that stuff too. But Deshaun mixing in the RPO stuff, mixing in some of the pocket movement things that he's really good at back to his Clemson days, I think those are what you're going to see. So it's going to be obviously the baseline of what Kevin likes to run and, and what Alex Van Pelt have run here for now two years. And they're going to sprinkle in some new stuff that fits what Deshaun likes to do because you definitely want your quarterback above all else having a bunch of comfort in what you're calling. Yeah, no doubt, man. It makes a ton of sense. Where do you think we're headed with these running backs? Because on paper, it looks a little crowded right now. We know Nick Chubb is that dude, but behind them, they've got some guys. Jake, I've always liked what Dearness Johnson has done in some fill-in spots there. Like when we get to week one or, you know, middle of the season, are you expecting this running back room to look the exact way it does on paper then? Another good question. I, I think what you have to look at is, as many different layers to this situation in the running back room as possible, right? So you have three guys you really like, three guys you really believe in. 
three guys that have proven it. We obviously know who Nick is. We know what Kareem can do, and we know what Dearness Johnson can do based on what we saw last year. They also still have Demetrius Felton, who didn't get many running back reps, but they, they continue to talk about wanting to incorporate him. And then we all know Jerome Ford is a nice mid-round value back with some high-end bursts who's, who's played in some similar uh, run scheme system there in Cincinnati. So you've got five guys. What you want to do is then say, okay, we think if Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended, we're going to run the ball like crazy. That should be the plan. We're going to really lean on these running backs. With leaning on your running backs becomes durability issues, right? Worn down nature in any given moment of a game. You need to be able to shuffle guys in and out who can do different things but still operate a lot of the things you like without giving away what you're going to run, right? That's kind of the old nature of that. Hey, we got a third down running back on the field. He's a pass catcher. Well, they're probably going to throw. They want to do a bit more in terms of uh, hiding, whether it's run pass to create opportunities for the quarterback for set, or even it's an option too for Deshaun Watson to add an even layered approach to, to some of the stuff that they can get really dangerous with. But what they, the thought process to me is we've got two guys behind Nick and Kareem and Dearness that if teams run into issues in the preseason, a back gets hurt. Think of last year when, uh, Etienne was hurt down in, in, in Jacksonville, right? And they needed to trade for a guy. You got two guys that can be traded for. Dearness is probably not going to get as much. He could be had for a late round pick. If you get a team that's really desperate, we can have for Kareem for a third or a fourth. They have those options because you got to think the Browns are trying to recreate draft picks that they've given away to go get Watson. What's the way you can do that? Well, have a lot of depth at one position and the opportunity that if something weird happens to a team, you can do it. So it's a couple different things here is where my approach has been on it. You have these backs with opportunities to go to other teams to recreate draft picks, but if you are forced to keep them, air quotes again, forced, they've got a bevy of talent there to use should they want to use it and go crazy running the football to alleviate a lot of the, the passing issues that we think could probably pop up with Jacoby Brissett and a limited wide receiver group. So you kind of use those guys, crutch those guys, have them as your, your, your workhorses, plural, to be the guys that are there to take the burden off of Jacoby Brissett. Then when Watson is back, whenever that is, 8, 10, 12 games into the season, you then have an opportunity to have your quarterback take the pressure off of everybody else. So it's, it's, it's a really – and this is just my opinion because Dearness Johnson's contract is easy to trade. Kareem is easy to trade should that opportunity arise. But you also have, hey, man, we've got some really good running backs here that we can use no matter what. Yeah, and Kareem, listen, we, we can all say Kareem's – going to bring back more in a trade we know that um but we'll see all right let's let's do a very quick one here about the receivers cooper dpj david bell now that everyone's excited to see take over for landry uh where does that leave schwartz fighting for his you know i mean he's not he i don't want to say fighting for his football life but he's fighting for opportunity right like they brought in jakeem grant so that's a guy who's going to take some speed stuff if schwartz doesn't show up ready to go Obviously, we know what Jakeem Grant is as a returner. You get a guy like Schwartz who's predicated on speed. You think, hey, this guy should be able to help us in the return game. We didn't necessarily see that manifest last year, but it's early in a guy's career. Things can develop. The game can slow down. But he has to earn every single thing he gets this year. They don't run. Now, they don't run a ton of three wide receiver sets as it is. Like Cincinnati ran the most in the league last year. Cleveland ran the least amount of three wide receiver sets in the league last year. Now, I think it's pretty obvious what they were dealing with last year between injuries and and attitudes and colliding and all of that. So there should be some more solid foundation, and we should really see an uptick, guys, in 11 personnel. What I mean by that is 
one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. The Browns should see more of that because they don't have Austin Hooper. They don't have three tight ends to play as often as they normally do. And they really have added wide receivers in David Bell that they want to see in Amari Cooper. Obviously, we think Amari Cooper's headed for like a 140 target season by all by all means here because he should. But yeah, Schwartz has got to go out and prove, hey man, if you want to be the guy on reverses, if you want to be the guy on some of those jet sweep, fly sweep, touch pass, fun concepts, you see Nicole Hardman run in Kansas City. Or if you want to be the guy pushing vertical on double moves or post routes or taking the lid off, getting a couple shots down the field, you better show up in great shape. You better make it you better take advantage of every opportunity. And, and, and he's got a lot of pressure. I don't think he's a guy they're going to cut yet. I think he's going to be given the year to see what his path in this league looks like and what sort of esoteric thing he can do. But he's got to figure out that path pretty quick. Yeah, no doubt. Jake Burns, uh, great insight on the Brownies this offseason as the drama continues. Thanks, man. We appreciate you. Be well. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Anytime. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. How are you this evening? I am good, guys. I'm a little late, but, you know, we're here. Yeah. So, and, and on for something. That's right. We figured yeah. that disaster out. So that's good, right? So yeah, we've just been running through uh, the rookies. Uh, we've we've covered Bell, Emerson, and Wright so far. I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of those guys that you want to share, just in terms of really kind of mostly have been talking about where they fit for this season specifically. <clears throat> yeah, we kind of broke down on my my podcast last night. I had Brad Ward on, and we talked about stat projections and and trying to look at how it felt like if they were suspending Watson for six games, which is what that exercise had, that they were missing like 700 passing yards. I mean, I think he had Watson going for like 224 a game, which is not what they traded for and extremely low. (laughs) So I have a hard time believing that would be the outcome when that guy finds the field. So they, you know, to me, something along the lines of like 450 yards and 35, 40 catches for Bell would be fine, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think that would be fine, uh, and 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 just some diversity to where he's playing inside, outside, showing you he can do. It's really a show me what you can do year for a guy like David Bell. I mean, show me whether you can be the guy uh, some of us think we are, and right, and uh, think he is. I'm sorry, and uh, so some uh, have some da- some doubt because of the athleticism, and I totally understand that. So, um, yeah, that that makes sense to me. I don't. Uh, we also kind of answered the question of the roundtable that we're going to eventually get to when my life slows down, hopefully have it posted tomorrow, about which which of these guys they cut first I uh, from Andrew Barry's drafts. I, I think that the defensive end competition is probably the deepest. doesn't mean it's full of, like, hyper-talented, proven NFL talent, but it's going to be a bunch of guys that could make the roster, right? Like, I think that that's a thing. So you better show up and be ready to play and your limited opportunities. You better put on tape that you can do it because I think you and I, Corey would agree that we like Isaiah Thomas quite a bit, but if you're a seventh round pick and you don't show out quickly, you're there's a potential you get exposed. It could be on the practice squad, right? Like that, that's an outcome that's possible. So um, I don't, I don't want to think that's going to happen. I haven't, I think, I think he's going to make it, but definitely an interesting one to pay attention to the same with, 
with Deaton, right? I mean, you know, there's poachages on the roster. They got a bunch of guys, hands and done on the interior. You forget Drew Forbes is still hanging around Berea too. So, uh, you know, those guys that are selected at the end of this draft, and even Michael Woods, who I think I think has a real chance here. But my 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 general point is, you can't Vince mail this thing, right? You can't just show up and act like your roster spots guaranteed. There is going to be some competition now. Again, there are going to be better competitions around the league in some of these positions, but they are uh, kind of crowded with some some guys who have some repetitive skill sets. So they will definitely be looking to fill uh, the end of those position groups with guys who are multifaceted. I know we have an article coming up from Anthony Reinhardt this week about special teams and which guys that left from last year's rosters were integral part of special teams because that will determine whether you can run down the field and make a tackle on kickoff, whether you can be a punt flanker or a gunner and punt team and run past somebody and, and make sure to to maintain an edge and set and set and funnel all of that stuff you know if you're a, an interior guy can you anchor pat right can you do field goal team stuff so there's a lot of, go- of stuff going on here with specials that are going to dictate more than we want to admit dictate who makes the 53 initially or whatever the number is it could be more than 53 now 55 i can't remember but yeah there's just a lot of stuff there that we don't maybe always consider it's not just the best player uh when you're talking about a fourth or fifth d end or a fifth defensive tackle or that extra linebacker or that that fourth tight end or that maybe they carry a fullback well what else do they do what else can they attribute uh given that they won't see the field much so there's a lot of that at play too yeah, so you don't you don't want to be a Vince Mail so much as a Vince Papali, right? That's the love it. Well yeah, done. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, Corey, to Jake's point, uh, of those three names he mentioned at the end of the draft, Michael Woods, Isaiah Thomas, and Dawson Deaton, um, what do you think about their chances uh, vis-a-vis making the roster? Yeah, so we got to go. One, look at historical trends of how many of these guys have made the roster. You know, sure. initial fifty-three. And two, how that's going to differ this year. So, again, historically, the past two years with Andrew Barry, they've only rostered four defensive ends. Uh, the way the defensive tackle room looks, I think they, they're they probably going to roster five, uh, which mm-hmm. which gives Isaiah Thomas, you know, a little bit of breathing room. Um, but, again, they paid Stephen Weatherly a lot of guaranteed money. They have Alex Wright, and they have Chase Winovich. So that's that's five right there, considering uh, Garrett and Clowney as well. So it's going to be tough. Um Wide receiver, I, I again, historically, they've rostered five. I think they go six, mainly because Jakeem Grant is a, is a, is a special teamer. He's a specialist. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're going to consider like his roster spot as a wide receiver roster spot. Uh, and so if they, they roster six wide receivers, which I think they're going to, that, that leaves pretty much uh, Michael Woods, uh, Javon Wims, uh, Isaiah Weston, and Jamarcus Bradley, who's hung around for a couple of years right. here now. But Demarcus Bradley's been on the practice squad the past two years and just brought up, so I, I, I don't have any inclination that he's going to somehow, I don't know, show out this year and do it. So uh, I think Woods probably has the best chance of those three to, to make the roster. Um, and then interior offensive line, um, Deed's probably got a good chance too. Again, one of the guardrails is the or one of the the. Yeah, guardrails is to turn the bottom of the roster, and and how many of those offensive interior offensive line guys like Hans Dunn, mm-hmm. uh, how many of those guys do they consider the bottom of the roster? So, right. um, well, they look at you know, well, we can have Deaton for three years, we can have Deaton for you know four years, and these right. guys you know expiring after the year. So, I don't know if that's something that goes into consideration either. But uh, there's a lot of names <laughs> in the interior depth as yeah. well. So, I, I would I would probably rank it Woods, Deaton, Thomas in terms of 
of likelihood to make the roster. And again, there's just a lot of names at defensive end that have been given like pretty good perks, like a third round pick, a lot of guaranteed money to Weatherly. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. not a lot. That's, that's, that's not something to look over. So I would say Woods, Deaton, Thomas in terms of making the roster. Yeah, I, I think uh, to your point, there, there. It's interesting now going into the third season with the same general manager that there are some names on the roster that have been on the roster, and we kind of think of that as an asset, right? Like Michael Dunn has hung around, but to the to your point, like his contract's also been tolling every year. So, you know, the the time at which he is no longer super cheap is coming closer, and so does that prioritize some of these younger guys that have four cost controlled years coming up? Uh, you know, does that does that give them a little bit of a leg up? be interesting to watch. Um, I had one more question about the 2022 rookies, and this is just pandering to the audience. I know what the people want. They want Perry and Winfrey. Uh, so my question to both of you, and uh, I'll have uh, Jake answer first, is uh, can Perry and Winfrey start right away? And then the second part of that question is, should we be happy if he is starting right away? <clears throat> yeah, he can. I mean, he definitely can. There's an open competition going on there. There is no leader in the clubhouse, in my opinion, for who's going to be your defensive tackle group. I mean, I think in that projection of stats, I think he, uh, Mike Clay had um, Sheldon Day as the second highest interior snap count guy. He had he had him over just underneath uh, just underneath Jordan Elliott, so uh, out in front of Taven Bryan. So I don't know. There's an open competition of guys who, and I think this is clearly the same situation for uh, this, the, the, what happened at Oklahoma with Perrion, of just guys who kind of underachieved. And they're hoping somebody can take hold of that and be consistent. They're not asking for any guys in there to be pro bowlers, but they just need them to be respectable. And if that if that means they rotate five of them in and out, then yeah, then keep them fresh and they can do that and they can pair them up and keep the rotation of one and three and moving them around and 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 do the different front stuff they like to do that's also a fine outcome to me so uh yeah i i mean do do i think perion can get a lot of snaps this year sure uh, there's definitely uh, credence to the idea that oklahoma's defense was very strategic in how they moved their defensive linemen and, and very rigid that's that's not a secret to anybody who covered ou or has covered ou or knows uh grinch's defense and then Obviously, we saw uh, what I think is is a tweet from Perion that's unfortunate, but you're talking about being around a real defensive coordinator. I I, I just think that the uh, loose tweets from Perion Winfrey might be something that we should get used to, just uh, yeah. my hunch. But in that mold, there could be a level to he could just be a better two gap player. So we'll see what happens. I don't I don't hold high hopes for any fourth round rookie. They, they they're fourth rounders typically for a reason. We'll see what happens. It would be really nice to get a Grady Jarrett type, wouldn't it? You know, in that sort of sort of sort of scenario. But it is hard to say, hey man, and I've seen this a lot, even the David Bell stuff about people just banking on them. Well, these are late third, fourth round guys. These are still sort of lotto tickets, right? So mm-hmm. that is uh that that's that has to be considered here. I, I never would well, I would give advice. I would never go into scenarios with third and fourth round picks, especially those late that are almost late thirds that are almost fourth round picks and beyond anyway with expectations for like uh, big time contributions. So uh, I'm, I'm very timid in how I uh, expect those young guys there to contribute. But uh, it, to, to answer the question again, yes, he can. Uh, I don't, ex- I don't expect it though. I really, I really yeah. don't. We'll see what happens. 
Corey, your thoughts on Perrion in 2022? I mean, he's going to see a lot of snaps. I think that's more just by necessity. You know, by necessity. I mean, we're talking about Sheldon Day being considered the the, the second most productive defensive lineman. That's yeah. the guy who made the practice squad last year. So, um, I just think his skill set. I mean, he did play a lot of a lot of shade um, at OU, but I don't think that's like one what he wants to do. I think he was pretty vocal about like that's not what I would like what he wanted to do at OU. I think he wants to, to, to be a gap shooter. I think he wants to play in the three tech. So, uh, but I think, you know, they're probably going to give Tave and Brian every chance to win that role. So, but I do think, you know, pass rush situationals for sure. Uh, he's, he's going to see the field um, just, you know, he's explosive. He's long, he's, he's built like an ox. So I, I think, I think he's the kind of guy they, they want on the field. You know, when they say pin your, pin your ears back and go after the quarterback. Sure. But like, Unless he, you know, he he plays where Malik McDowell did last year, which I don't think that's going to be something that they're going to force him into. And I don't know if he's like he he wasn't very good against the run, just flat out, not very good against the run. So I don't I don't see that being an element where he's going to thrive. So um, sure, he's going to see the field, you know, pass or as as a pass rusher and and, in passing situations. But uh, I I tend to think that Taven Bryan's probably going to get the benefit of the doubt over a fourth rounder to to kind of at least start early in the season as the, the three tech. Yeah, I think that that's probably the, the I, I think from, from both of you, uh, some words of, of caution that are probably necessary, but I'm telling you, once he hits training camp, it's going to, the hype, the hype train is going to gain a lot of steam. Um, do do either of you want to talk about the kicker? We had somebody in, it was Manimal 1955 just said York question mark. Anybody got five seconds on York for me? I, I will just say I've never seen like in a practice session where they just asked a kicker to rattle off 60 yarders like they had York do in, in mini camp last week. I've never seen that before. That's pretty bizarre. Yeah. I, I mean, he's talented. It's just a matter of being accurate and also being patient. I continue to say that you gotta, you gotta be patient with him. I think again, to harken back on the stat projection stuff like 28 of 33, I think is what he had him projected as. I think that would be a win, depending on where the, the five misses come from, but that would be a win. I think he's talented enough that they should be extremely patient with him. Um, and I and I think he's, like, to Corey's point there, he's kicking 60 yarders randomly in Berea with the field goal post there a little shrunk down to make it seem even harder. Yeah, he should. He's He's got it. I mean, it for kickers is, is, is power off the foot, like not – cyber power right <laughs> that goofy <laughs> quote from all those years ago i you can see it and you could see it at lsu it's just a matter of is he going to be able to handle kickoffs well uh, and 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 place them where they want to place them whether that's out of deep portions of the end zone or they want to try to bury people inside the 25 uh that part will be important too and also uh you know the kicking stuff has got to be in tune and something to pay attention to is from everybody i've talked to about Corey B- Bjorquez. I, I call him Bo- i think i'm just gonna call him bojo um, yep. he is going to be the holder. And I've heard from at least six people of former franchises he's been at. He's a terrible holder. So that mm-hmm. part makes me uneasy. We'll see what comes of it and if he can handle the holding, but I've just heard people say he's not a good holder and that's been like well-known. So, um, yeah, don't want to ruin your Monday, but that's what I've been told. <laughs> and hopefully that works out for the best. Yeah. He was the punter in green Bay last year. Right. And, uh, I, I live in Wisconsin and I follow enough, for some of this stuff to kind of soak through. And uh, I remember that very, you know, cause Crosby had a bad year last year and the Packers fans that knew were blaming Borges for a lot of that. So uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's an open competition still, right? Joseph Charlton is, is still around, so I guess we'll see. Uh, but, uh, yeah, watch watch the holds when the preseason starts. Get your, you know, TiVo those and, and rewind that. Uh, Corey, since we have you tonight and it's, uh, you know, draft is your thing, I just thought I'd give you a few minutes here at the end of the show uh, to talk 2023 draft names uh, ahead of the season coming up uh, in the fall. Uh, if there's any names at the top of your head, and also if there's any teams uh, that have maybe a collection of talent. We have so many Oklahoma Sooners that are on the Browns roster this year. Obviously, there's no way to predict that into the future. But um, if there's any teams or, or players that you've already got your eye on for next year. Uh, I'll start with positions. That's not an option you gave me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it anyway. That's, you can uh, do <laughs> so the wide, there's a lot of 20-year-olds in, in the wide receiver class, which is mm-hmm. like, for a team that I think is, is going to need a wide receiver pretty early again next year. I think that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty good news. It's not, here's my qualm with the wide receiver class though, is like, there's a lot of guys who are majority slot receivers. Uh, so, but again, like Jackson Smith and Jigba ran 93% of his routes from the slot. Garrett Wilson ran eight, I think only 17% of his snaps outside the numbers heading into 2021, you know, from the 2020 season. And that jumped to like 83, something like that. So again, that, that could be something we see from Jackson Smith and Jigma, um, you know, so the wide receiver classes, I think is a lot of, I'll call them versatile guys. Cause I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, a lot of guys who haven't proven they can win outside the numbers and against press coverage yet. Um, so I, I'm going to be interested in that. Um, there are quite a few pass rushers as I like um, though. Uh, early on. And again, I think the Browns are going to be in the market for a pass rusher early on mm-hmm. again, next year as well, uh, as early as they can be considering, you know, they don't have an early pick. Um, but, you know, I, I just did a film room on, on army edge rusher army has a, has a big time edge rusher and Andre Carter, the uh, second, I mean, he, the dude's built like a basketball player. He's six foot seven, 260 pounds. Like he's long, long as it gets. Uh, he's pretty thin though. And it shows against the run, but as far as like toolsy traitsy pass rusher, this guy's got it. Um, he's bendy. Uh, he looks like Gumby. He plays like Gumby. Um, and he's a four senior. So there's the chance that I don't have a confirmed date of birth on him, but there's the chance that, that he could be, you know, uh, under the, under the age guardrail as well. Um, I really like, uh, Nolan Smith out of Georgia as well. He's another pass rusher. I really like super long, uh, his frame isn't super built out, but you wouldn't guess it by the way that he, he sets an edge by the way that, that he really anchors in against the run. He's very strong against the run. Um, again, the, the guys at the top, Will Anderson, Miles Murphy, we kind of know about them. Right. Um, Miles Murphy, it might give Will Anderson a run for his money in terms of it, it, like a top guy in the class at, off the edge. He's, he's tremendous as well. Um, that's six foot five and two seventy five, so uh, he's a big dude. Um, so there are quite a few edges I like. Um, I hope we don't need to talk about quarterbacks, so you know <laughs> we won't go there. Um, yeah, yeah. Yep. Offensive tackle class doesn't really stand out to me. Again, the top guy that people talk about in the offensive tackle class hasn't played tackle yet. So in Paris Johnson from Ohio State. So um, again, I, I I don't know. We'll see that the tackle class is kind of a wild card, but. Uh, there's a lot to like along the defensive line in, mm-hmm. in this class, in my opinion. So, well, I mean, yeah, as as people in the chat have mentioned, uh, no first rounder next year as well, and so the chances that uh, you know a, a big time player are going to be coming the Browns' way seem seem low at this point. And as Corey rightly said, hopefully quarterback is not on the list of needs. Uh, we'll just knock on wood for that one. Uh, but it's always you know it's always draft season. Basically, there's like two weeks after the always. draft where it feels a little bit too early, but after that it's, it's time to, to tuck back into it. And so 
you know, as, as every year, the OBR is the place to be for draft content. Uh, and Corey, I know you'll be, you'll be doing some of that over the course of the season, right? You'll be writing on, on some prospects and keeping an eye on that stuff as the season moves along. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I'm wrapping up some, you know, rookie class stuff now. And I think I'm going to do a little bit of like established vet film stuff, you know, but, but pretty soon into the summer, you know, I'll run up, run out of ideas and start some, some early season watch lists, rankings, things like that. So pretty excited for it. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, that's, it's, it's where we want, you know, everybody to go for all of their draft content, even in June, uh, is the OBR because we, we've got stuff that nobody else has got. Uh, Jake, uh, I asked this to Corey earlier and, um, I know it's hard to say because it's a uh, mini camp and, you know, we don't really get it, but is there anything that you are kind of curious to see if we hear more about over the course of the next few days of, of mini camp practices? <clears throat> uh, I'll pay attention to some video stuff, alignment stuff where, um, <clears throat> Uh, who's who's the fullback when they use a guy in the backfield with the first group, whether that's Harrison Bryant or they're using Johnny Stanton. There's always stuff to be learned, right? The, who's the third tight end? If you can catch a glimpse of uh, who runs that and, and any of their 13 stuff they try to run, that gives you an idea who has a mini leg up going into the home stretch of the offseason. Um, otherwise, not a ton. I'll, I definitely will look where the three receivers are lining up. Where Ronnie uh, Ronnie Harrison is that is that third safety? But yeah, there's just a lot of alignment things, and that's really that's really all you can get. I mean, even if you go up to training camp, is you know you're looking at alignment stuff, and 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 when you get some live game action, you can start to figure out who seems like they can do some of those those uh, you know tougher tougher sorts of things. But you know, you only get about 15 minutes of, of live practice where they're going at each other. So yeah, it's always alignment and usage and stuff like that. So uh, with with a week of videos here, hopefully we can get some coverage and get a get a feel for some of those things. I'll try to keep an eye out for that, but you won't get anything groundbreaking. You never do, as as they uh, make sure. And um, you know that's where you got to wait for preseason to figure out the fun stuff. But there's always little nuggets to take away and overreact to, right? Yeah, well, it's June, so we have to. It's, <laughs> it's required. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, as, as Fred mentioned earlier, uh, he will be in Berea tomorrow and then Canton on, uh, Wednesday and then at the stadium on Thursday, I think is the schedule. So, mm -hmm. uh, he will be our man on the scene and he will be, uh, pumping out a lot of content as a result of that, uh, with press conferences every day, availabilities and, uh, and then just the, you know, the details from, so follow him on Twitter at Fred Greetham nine and, uh, Look out for his articles at the OBR. Anything else, Jake? I, I, uh, I'm i not 100% clued in on what's coming up this week. Any, any other big articles coming up this week on the OBR? Mention Anthony's article I'm excited about. John Stephenson's going to do something on our um, slot cornerback situation. He's going to try to pinpoint a little bit of the responsibilities there. I know Corey's putting out uh, Dawson Deaton film room, and we're going to have some other fun stuff over the weekend. We'll do AFC North wide receiver player rankings. So looking at that, which I'm sure won't have an orange and brown shade at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll continue. I think we're going to try to crack into some Jacoby Brissett film by the end of the week because we're going to probably see him as the next quarterback before any other quarterback here. So we should probably get accustomed to what he can do and what he can do. All right. So that's this week in the middle of June at the OBR. Still plenty of Browns content, even at this time of year. I want to thank Corey Kinnon for joining me uh, for the hour. Thanks to Fred Greetham for being here earlier. Jake, thanks for stopping by for a bit here at the end. It's been great to talk to you all tonight, and uh, thank you all for watching and joining us. And uh, we will be back uh, tomorrow night, I believe, uh, for Garage Beers at 9, and then Wednesday, uh, OBR Weekly. Thursday 
the new Ask the OBR show. Jake and I will be back for that, and that's your week in Brown Switch content. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, and we will see you tomorrow. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio.